0: velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back leading to moments like this and McConaughey and he's snaking his way through and in Clark to Glanville singer is standing whips it away. Beautifully done, gathered, scored. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week, Orlando Bailey and Max and Jomo conspire in thrilling fashion.
1: Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and what a weekend, a weekend of coronation, Tom. A coronation of our new king, that king, of course, being Johan Christopher Van Gran the first. And to mark the occasion, I'm not joined by Penny Mordant or Lionel Richie or even Mike Tyndall. I'm joined by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom.
0: Hello, mate. It's uh, what a way to end the season! What a time to. What a time to be a, a Bath fan, fantastic weekend and I'll get it in there straight away, even sweeter, even sweeter, the cherry on top, the coronation weekend to, to stick Bristol out in the process. So yeah, brilliant scenes at the wreck. and um, yeah, fantastic to be back with you, mate.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. We've, we've gone 20 points from a possible 20 over the past four weeks, beating Exeter beating Gloucester, beating Harlequins and beating Saracens, all with try bonus points. And in the end, pipping Bristol by 11 points on points difference over the course of the full season to leave us eighth in the table, which of course means Champions Cup rugby for the next season and a brilliant away day for us to start planning when we get those names in the draw Tom did you see that coming even this time last week and then even this time a month ago I'm kind of I know you didn't
0: oh I mean think about where we were a month ago before these four wins sat bottom of the table you know looking at what was what could have been another wasted season in a in a in a relegation free league and as it was there was so much excitement going into that last day obviously Sarri's fielding a, a week aside which gave us a real opportunity to to stick some points on them and and close that eight points difference gap with 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 Bristol and a three way West Country bun fight for the last spot in Europe. What an exciting end to the season! Absolute drama at the Wreck as well, G. To win it on points difference, to have the confusion of the different dynamics in play, which I I, I know we're gonna we're gonna come on to, and a fourteen try thriller put Bristol out, get into the top eight. In front of a, a a sold out wreck. phenomenal way to, to to end the season. And yeah, we 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 suddenly feel like a real team on the up. As you say, four wins from four, two against the two teams in Gloucester and Sarries that that dealt us those humiliating scorelines last season. Another against a, a you know forty five thousand full full expectant Twickenham crowd. And the other, as you say, against Exeter, who have been the strongest team in the the West Country for the last few years. So all really good wins in their own right. And yeah, somehow we're into top flight European rugby and no one, I don't think even JVG, no one saw it coming. Not wanting the season to end at the moment with the run we are on.
1: Tom, unfortunately, neither of us were able to be at the REC for that jubilant day on Saturday. So what we've done is we've got longtime listener, friend of the podcast, Andrew, to come on to the podcast. Season ticket holder at the REC who was there on Saturday. And he's going to come on at the end to kind of talk a little bit about what it was like to be at the REC. Um, and how it all played out with the drama unfolding in front of their eyes, um, and then of course the talk about the levers and and, and the the post match antics which which went on with that. Um, with that and, in mind, Tom.
0: and, and Joao, just before we just before we go, G, do you want to mention anything about we've spoken about heroes, but anything about the hat trick hero from the day, top try scorer of the season, finishing with twelve? I'll let you take it away. Yeah, of
1: course, this podcast brought to you by <laughs> Black and White Butchers. It was next it was next on the list. It, wasn't of, there, okay. it was okay. So um yeah, kind of got to the end of the season and I'm remembering Tom Dunn. And how could I forget Tom Dunn, as you say, after his hat trick performance? If you were at the rec on Saturday, I, I do hope your day was made even better okay. by checking out Black and White Butchers. Stand next to the Swift half. And over the course of the summer. If you do want to take your event to the next level with the Black and White Butchers Hog Roast, then check out their Instagram page for all of those details. It will be well worth it, even just to kind of make you a little bit hungry. Um, and we may have a, a special guest next week lined up to talk even more about Black and White Butchers and the blue, black and white on the field. So hold the thought line with that one. Tom, also plenty of news to talk about off the field. We decided that. After our uh, review of the um, Quinn's game, the Quinn's victory, we would then take two weeks off and then come back now. That was probably misjudged in hindsight, but we couldn't get together um, to talk about all of the news which unfolded. Plenty of ins and outs were announced by Bath in the lead up to that last home game of the season. And what we're going to do towards the end of the podcast is just touch on the headlines there and give some overriding thoughts. And then next week, we'll be back in your feeds to give a end of season review as a whole, and then a little look ahead to the makeup of the coaching setup and makeup of the playing staff as we go into what will then be the off-season hibernation for us. So all you have to do is hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and that end of season review episode will be delivered straight to your feed. But Tom, we can't go any further without talking about this victory. Of course, the 61-29 win over Saracens. And yeah, I think you touched on it there a little bit that they potentially fielded a slightly weakened side. I think that's that's probably fair to say. The good old salty Pat Lamb was was at um was at pains to mention that a couple of times in his post-match presser. But I think nonetheless, Tom, it was another really strong performance from Bath, particularly in that second half. And despite Saris being weakened, I think Bath deserved comfortably the win and and, and comfortably the scoreline that that was shown there
0: yeah I mean you know I can I can understand it from a, a Bristol standpoint or even a even a Gloucester standpoint when you're looking at the the team sheets going into the weekend um I mean it was a very young Saracen side other than Elliot Daly who was returning from from three months layoff with with injury I think there were five premiership debuts that Saracen's awarded so it was a young Saracen side, but it was a very hungry Saracen side. Obviously, seeing a team towards the bottom of the table who they've had so much success at uh, against in in previous years, and I think I think they would have they 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 would have fancied it. And to be honest, you know, you can you can be salty, but from a bar point of view, we can only beat the team that's put out in front of us. And as Saracens, you know, they've kind of earned the right to do what they want. They're they're top of the league. They've been clear with a home semi-final, top of the league for. For 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 ages, so I don't think you can have you can have too many complaints. But going to the weekend, look at the two respective sides. I did kind of feel that something might be in the in you know in the in in the waters with 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 a potentially um, potentially leapfrogging Bristol. The other thing from a bar point of view is the selection consistency, something that I mentioned lots and lots of times. But we've been making you know one two changes in uh, over the course of the last few games and this time an unchanged 15 and i think that's been so important g it means that we've started to execute some of our drills so much better i think particularly the line out on the scrum which are areas that have been inconsistent have just been so much better and ultimately i think as 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 we as we as the game progressed and we got down the stretch that was the area really where we were a bit too strong so on a selection point of view brilliant to see us being able to field the same sides and uh, thanks very much, Mark McCall, for the uh, slightly less experienced side that came down to the wreck.
1: Yeah, I don't want, to, don't want to hear any more about that. It's the the ups and downs of the Premiership season. And you yeah. play, the, they play the cards that are dealt with you and we play them in fantastic fashion, I thought. Um, and you're right, that, that selection consistency in particular around the... The pack is so important, isn't it? I think when we had um, JP Ferreira on the podcast just in the lead up to this run that we've been on, he spoke about how difficult they found the line out in particular when they've been chopping and changing line out callers, chopping and changing lifters, Jumpers, and I think yeah. actually someone that's gone a little bit unnoticed and maybe we've mentioned him once in the last few weeks but G.J. Van Veltzer in that role um, has been excellent I think he's really shown why Johan Van Graan was so keen to bring him to the club um, Van Graan's been on record as saying that himself this week and yeah his role is calling that line out and kind of organising that pack uh, kind of alongside the influx of power of Stewart and Abano, I think has been really really important
0: yeah, him along with Fergus Lee Warner, they've looked like value signings. They've looked like savvy. And I think Quinn Rui, he's not been fit, but he's re-signed as well. And Van Graham, very keen to keep Van Belts and Lee Warner. They're kind of, they're good, solid money ball signings, I think. And Van Belts has, I think, got that got that line out ticking quite nicely. And I mean, five tries for the front row, two for Ben Urbano and three for Tom Dunn. It was certainly, it was certainly working so well. We looked... Unstoppable, to be honest, from 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 the driving mall, which is an area that we've been critical of over the the course of the season. And Saracens, I think, not really equipped to do a deal with the the power that we that we that we that we had coming down. One one quick question maybe to throw back at you: I've seen a couple of comments about you know about that element of our game and saying that we are quite one dimensional and that when we do come up against sides who can defend that mall that we don't really have too many attacking weapons. What would you, is that a concern for you, do you think? I wouldn't say it's a concern
1: for me where the squad sits at the moment. I think you have to start somewhere, don't you? And you have to start becoming kind of the best or one of the best in the league at something. And I think that's an area that they focused on this season. And let's have it right. We're not challenging for top four. We're not challenging for for the title. If you are in those positions and challenging for Champions Cup, you need to have A well-rounded game and be stronger in almost every area and I think that is something that will come and when we talk about Lee Blackett and Richard Blaze and Ben Russell and these guys coming in that is where we're going to look to develop that area but I think right now it's not a massive concern for me if we're having these conversations this time next year and we're still not able to develop a a kind of second string to that bow then yeah that would be a whole lot more concerning I think
0: yeah should we go into the game
1: yeah, let's get into the game, Tom. So a bit of a ding-dong battle in the the first half. Um, kind of we we scored, then we let them back in, we scored and and let them back in. And 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 credit to Saracens, I thought they hang in, they hung in that game really, really well. Um, but I think, yeah, I think on the positive side for Bath, the 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 areas of the game which eventually told so heavily in the second half were starting to show in that first half. And, and we've kind of talked about them there, but more scrum and pack physicality, which the young Saracens and inexperienced Saracens pack couldn't really live with. Tom, why do you think we weren't able to pull away in that first half despite having dominance, clear dominance in those key areas?
0: Well, I think we showed the blueprint. Of how we were going to win that game and, and put points on the board, but as you say, it was tit for tat with tries, and I think I was getting very frustrated in that first half because defensively, you know, we knew that we had to be as conscious of the the of their scoreline as ours, really, with obviously points difference in mind, and we allowed them to score some pretty easy tries. You know, defensively, we were we were quite weak, particularly in that that first half. We missed twenty six tackles and only made ninety eight. We let them have. Ten, We let them have 10 line breaks and they only had 40% of the ball throughout the, the whole 80 minutes. So that's not really good enough. And I think, you know, the, the, those two Hartley tries, you know, he's a big runner. He's, he, he, he picked a good line, but they're, they're, they're just, they're just a bit soft. And, you know, Big Joe, who I think's had, a, had, had a, good, a good, a good few games, I mean, getting himself into the mix and more, you can't be missing as an England international or, or, or aspiring England international you can't be missing tackles like that. So we could be having a very different conversation here, G. You know, as it played out, it was it was you know, it was very tight with with the points of with Bristol. But we could be chatting about ruining conceding those early tries because I thought at times, yeah, defensively we we didn't quite look at the races, which was very surprising given what we knew the permutations to be.
1: Yeah, they did look a little bit like they were sort of almost caught off guard. I think by. By the way, Saracens were were so competitive, I felt like in that first half. They they had some really good players out there. And I think, yeah, they those guys stood up, Vinopola, Daly, Hartley, I think were were at the core of some of their their good moments in that first half. And I think, yeah, they were sort of caught off guard and and that was borne out in some defensive areas. You're right, that that um Doc and a try um sort of well the hardly try on Doc is unacceptable. And then the, the another error from McConaughey and Gallagher when they kind of kick it over, and then McConaughey gathers it, takes it, looks for Gallagher with a pass, and then gets tackled out into touch by by Shegun, who I thought actually as well had had a strong game. Should a couple of errors like that, combined with some strong Sarries play and a little bit of build discipline on our part, competing really hard at the breakdown, I think meant that that out of nowhere, and Saracens took their chances, they'd scored those four tries and and that was in comparison to to Bath's three tries at that point. 21-24 was the the half-time score, Tom. Um, but let's move into to the second half. And I think straight away the game kind of turned in Bath's favor, taking daily off at half time in in what was a pre-planned Decision was 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 probably influential, but he probably from fullback wouldn't have had a lot to do with what was to follow. And and three tries in the next fourteen minutes, Sari's ill discipline and and kind of weakness in defence and weakness, comparative weakness in the forward pack, really started to tell.
0: Yeah, I thought we came out immediately with a, a new energy. The, the The Urbano try just after halftime was really nice. You know, off the top of the line, out um, a Steams it up into the middle. You get quick ball, Ted Hill, and then another big runner, Beno Abano, under the sticks. That's very, very hard to stop when you're any defence going round the round the corner there. Let alone, let alone a kind of a you know a, a younger second string in many ways Saracen side. So I think you're right. We the, the the question really at half time was whether Saracens could kind of keep up or and 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 withstand kind of physical battery that we were going to we were going to bring and you know I think the answer was 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 clearly that they that they couldn't it was just about how far ahead we could we could get and if Gloucester could could stay in touch with 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 Bristol and yeah I mean I'll, I'll let you kind of set out how it how it played out and, and the permutations but it was quite strange watching a Bristol game with as much uh, with as much eagerness as, as, as a bath game, but switching between channels was, was the order of the day for those not at the ground.
1: Yeah. I, I think one thing I'll just point out before we, before we talk about sort of the last 15, 20 minutes when it all started to unfold was that Spencer's kicking was absolutely outstanding. I think Bunapola scored a a magnificent individual try mm. compared to him. Some, some poor defense. Yeah. But it was brilliant from him. Um, and at that point, it made it 42-29. But if the conversions had been equal at that point, there would only been seven points in it. And, and yeah, Spencer's kicking. He got all of his kicks, seven from seven on the day. The only one that we missed was the PS Francis one at the end. And, yeah, the way he's taken that mantle of being the lead dog, the lead kicker, I think it's been so impressive. And, yeah, he was absolutely nailing them. Um, I and mean, it's... Mean-
0: yeah, and over the course of the season, I mean, I think he's second only to Joe Simmons in the the kicking stats from from the tee. So it's an area of the, his game where he, he he could do it, and he was he, he was good at it. But I would say he was a bit more hit and miss last season from from the from the wider um, you know the wider parts of the field. Now he's eighty six percent, and he's consistently nailing everything. So I think. Where, but whereas initially it felt like something that he was doing temporarily to take the pressure off Orlando Bailey, now he's essentially just turned himself into one of the the, the top kickers in the Premiership. So if he can kick that up, if he can keep that up and take yet another um, <laughs> element of responsibility on his on his shoulders and make himself even more important as as a player for us, then um, I'm, I'm all for it. Fantastic for him, isn't it? Yeah, top
1: dog. And in that period, Tom Tom Dunn uh, scored his hat trick, the first Bath rugby hat trick since Matt Banahan, the London Irish, in May two thousand and eighteen, and the first forward to score a prem hat trick this season. So, congrats to fellow
0: business partners, Tom. And uh, listen, listen to some of these stats around it as well: three tries, fifteen carries, twenty-two meters made. And, a, and 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 an incredible one defender beaten. So you don't get, you don't see haptics like that very often.
1: You don't, you don't. And he, he was credit to him um, at pains to to credit the rest of the pack um, with, with um, his award of being top try scorer for Bath this season. I think he's had 12 this season and he'll be the first yes. to say that the hard work of the big boys in front of him has been helpful in that regard let's get into the, the kind of end-of-game drama. And I think Randrandra scored for Bristol, which was their fourth try on about yeah. 60 minutes, which obviously confirmed they had the try bonus point. Um, and if they won the game, they would then be level on points with Bath. And so it was going to come down to the points difference. And at that point, um, BT Sport and others across social media were all but crowning Bristol into the top eight. Um, at this point, there was a 17-point difference in the respective points difference, obviously in Bristol's favour, and that game only seemed to be going in one direction. Pretty soon after though, Plerta scored, um, making it 49-29 to Bath, obviously a, um, a
0: 10 well, there's there, I was just going to say, G, there's there's only 14 minutes to go at this point as well. Mm. So it's yeah, time, yeah. 17, minutes, 17 points, 14 minutes.
1: And then, yeah, so Klerta scores pretty soon after that. And then May scores almost immediately after that. And suddenly, it's just a three-point difference on 71 minutes following a really big defensive set with Dave Atwood at the core. Spencer taps and goes. Hill picks up and Bailey scores, which puts us four points ahead. Bristol respond with another Randrandra converted try, making us three points behind it then go, The clock then goes into the red at the rec and at Ashton Gate. Darcy Ray gives away a penalty at the scrum, but Sarries obviously with nothing to play for, keep going. There's a little bit of back and forth um, and almost simul- simultaneously, um, Manu Benapola goes for a pretty outrageous and generous chip over the top, which Narlene gathers offloads and Lawrence scores and on the other screen in front of me I think it was Siali um no who's the other Piertel one of the Piertel boys slapping the ball down Charles Piertel slapping the ball down and both of those were going to go in Bath's favour and ultimately Tom it was pretty comfortable with Lawrence scoring that try the penalty try being awarded for Gloucester both of them with the Clock in the red and Bath finishing 11 points ahead on points difference at full time. A wild and wonderful last 15 to 20 minutes.
0: Absolutely crazy. And I mean, I'll be interested to hear when we get Andrew on how much Bath fans kind of knew what was going on. It seemed like absolute pandemonium when Ollie Lawrence went through. And it was so perverse watching it because as you say, you have a Sarries team with nothing to play for. And I think we knocked it on, they had the advantage, Then maybe they knocked it on and we had an advantage. It was crazy. The referee could have, I mean, if 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 those knock-ons uh, are regathered, it's game over. And obviously because Gloucester score after Bath, as far as we're concerned, we need that try at that point from Wally Lawrence. Um, so just fantastic scenes. Um, and I, yeah, absolutely devastating not to be there because it sounded like... Phenomenal scenes, and I think it'll 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 live long in the memories of of the the fans and players that that were there. And yeah, that's only top eight.
1: <laughs> yeah, one man that absolutely knew was was Johan van Gran and I thought he handled yeah. the, the whole the whole piece so impressively. He was communicating constantly with um, whoever was watching the Bristol game above and his players up and down, constant communication so that everybody was on the same page. And you can see kind of. The joy in in his eyes when Lawrence crashes over for that try, um, and I think at that point the the penalty try Barnes is looking at the penalty try. He's probably getting that information in his ear as well, and 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 his emotion to the BT Sport cameras at, at the end I thought was 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 really good to see, and yeah, I thought it was a. It was a great day all round, but I think it was the day, and and I think we'll come on to it. I think it's the week in which he's really put his mark on this, and yeah, I thought he was, I thought he was absolutely outstanding on on Saturday. The way that he was, he was managing that because I think in in, in previous in previous regimes that that probably isn't handled nearly as as kind of oh yeah, the the,
0: the the wheels would have come off. I mean, you know, it hasn't been perfect this season from. From from his point of view, there's been games where it's felt like we've 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 been watching the team from from the last season. But I think one thing we can definitely say about him is that he is an absolute consummate professional. Mm-hmm. And in those instances, he is cool, he's calm, collected, and he keeps his head. And he you know he's been in big games, he's been in stadiums, been in Toman Park where it's been roaring. He's been involved with the the, the world champions, South Africa. So he's a professional, and he 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 showed that there i think the other thing is you know it it felt like to me we it, it's been quite a long time since we've had something to play for other than pride i mean without the the jeopardy of relegation which would have been an emotional roller coaster over the last couple of seasons if if relegation had been on the cards and in many ways would have made this season and what we've done I guess even 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 sweeter with 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 some of the wins that we've had, but yeah, we haven't really had anything to play for. And I think now that we did, and it was tight, and it was exciting, and we were successful. That hasn't happened in, in 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 quite a long time, really, since we made the top four during that 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 kind of weird COVID half season. So I think that was why there was the reaction that that there was, or that's certainly why I felt how I did. Um, and you know, it is great that we're in. The top tier of of European rugby, I think it it represents progress. It represents a positive step forward. The first stop on the train journey that he, Van Grenden's been speaking about, and a club with our history and heritage G, should expect to be in the top flight of European rugby. You know, with the first team, first English team to to to, to win it all those all those years ago. So, yeah, I think uh, a, a great day to be a, a, a fan of the club, and it really feels like in contrast to. A number of teams that we've seen, Worcester Wasps, even London Irish, and that's very very sad. But it does feel like we're a, a team on the up, and I think we can we as, as as fans we can feel we can feel proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. And what is this? What does this all
1: mean, Tom? We're in top eight of the Premiership, and when you put it into context, fighting for that and having the reaction that we had in in terms of what we've achieved maybe doesn't quite line up. And what does this actually all mean? So we'll be in the Champions Cup, the top round of the European rugby. And I think we've ultimately got a much more difficult task in winning that competition than winning the Challenge Cup, which we would have fallen straight into had we come ninth this season. But I think you're right. It's about that kind of prestige of playing in that competition. And also for us, let's be honest, it's about the away day. And that was immediately where my mind went on. So I'll start with yourself. Where in your wildest dreams come July, August, whenever they pull those names out of the hat for the draw and there'll be seeding and there'll be all sorts, which we maybe should have done a little bit more research into. But forget seeding, forget everything like that. Wildest dreams, where are we booking our flights to?
0: Well, it's going to be one of the top flight teams, isn't it? Um, it's going to be challenging, as it has been for the 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 various trips that we've done, La Rochelle, clement Laverne, Toulouse, um, and obviously Glasgow um, the, 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 those four sunny destinations I think for me I mean the French away days have been absolutely phenomenal but I think a monster away day would have an extra bit of spice to it mm. obviously with the the Van Grand Ferrera history with Chris Clurter and Matt Gallagher coming over and with just the the you know the quality of Toman Park and Limerick as a city, as an away day, I think that would be pretty hard to beat. With the the subtext that that there would be, and it's also a stadium that I've I've always wanted to go to. Obviously, incredibly passionate support, and a team that has been struggling a little bit. So, um, imagine getting the W over in in Toman Park against against Van Graan's old Munster. That'll be something quite special. So, yeah, I think I'd I think I'd go Munster. Is a trip to South Africa not tickling your fancy? Probably not well, tickling sell, your they only, fancy. Uh, they only sell about a thousand tickets, don't they, for most of those games? So I'm not sure I'd have quite the same atmosphere. A thousand. I mean, yeah, I think they've got quite big stadiums which um, put that, put put those
1: attendances into a little bit more perspective. Where would, but, you, where would you go? Yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? I, I think immediately you said to me, Munster, and I think that's, that's all I've been able to get out of my mind. I think... Rassing, um, that looks like yeah. a fantastic stadium. Obviously, Finn Russell will be going back there as a, a member of the Blue, Black and White. That would be really exciting. You know, we had such a fantastic time in Lara Shelton, but we weren't able to share it with any other bar fans. And that was a kind of a weird one. We you know, the ground was half empty, it was freezing, we couldn't get a beer in there and it was a slightly strange atmosphere in the ground we had uh, uh, one of the greatest weekends of all time there but I think that would be a great place to go back and share that with with fellow Bath fans I'd definitely be up for that and then uh, yeah if you look to to Ireland I guess either Munster or or Ulster would be I think a fantastic away there I think Leinster we'd probably miss so yeah I think there would be some ideas that I would have, um, but yeah, really, really excited about about getting that one booked up. Um, yeah, that's it, it. Was a great end to the season, Tom, and um, yeah, a, a kind of a, a, a great stepping stone, I feel like, into next season and the changes. Uh, that yeah. and, and and what we can build on.
0: And I guess if we went to France as well, we could we could nip over to watch uh, Bristol against Bayonne as well. <laughs> oh up the cherries God. god i was very happy i was a
1: yeah one half blue black and white one half cherry and white on on saturday afternoon um tom some people that won't be joining us on that away day or joining the blue black and white on that away day as we transition away from this game just briefly um is Stuart Hooper leaving the club after 15 years of service. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of give some headlines here um, and then maybe just kind of give an overall thought or pick something out. And as I say, next week, we're going to get into each of these moves and each of what this means in a lot more detail. So, so hit subscribe and, and that will come to you. But Hooper leaving after 15 years of sa- service. Maddock leaving as a TAC coach, obviously ex bath legend on the field. Don McPherson, the mind coach, leaving after 10 years and two spells at Bath. And then eight players leaving Darren Atkins, Tom Dowaty, uh, Max Green, Gabe Hamer-Webb, Darcy Ray, Will Spencer, Valerie Motrosov, and Wesley White. Dave Atwood and Richard D'Arcarpentier, all both retiring as well, Tom. Kind of an overriding thought on, on those guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, we couldn't. There's, there's been so much turnover, hasn't there? And I mean, as as we expected, that 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 we were. But I guess on on Stuart Hooper, you know, he's a guy that we barely mentioned in this season of the podcast. He's as we thought he would kind of fell fell back into the kind of the the the, the shadows a little bit and the 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 more kind of off-field stuff. And I think he obviously picked up a lot of stick. And I've got absolutely no doubt that as director of rugby. He was trying to do everything he possibly could to make the club a better place. You know, he was there for a a player as as at Bath for, for eight years. I, I think two hundred odd appearances was was captain during that that fourteen fifteen season and, and and thereabouts where we were we were so successful. I think also had some some really positive impacts as kind of player development in player development and academy and bringing through some of the guys that we. We see turning out regularly in in the first 15. Now, I think there's no doubt that when he stepped up to to DOR, it was rushed and he wasn't ready to to deal with that level of responsibility. And it was right that he he he, he, he moved on. And I think, as we said at, at that point in time, it's probably right that he moves on from Bath Rugby as an institution and tries something else. But I think he has copped a lot of stick. He is definitely a Bath man through and through. He is spoken positively um about from from lots and lots of people that he's he's been involved in at the club i think he just he just he just stepped up too soon and and too much but we shouldn't forget kind of what he did over the years for for the club and putting 15 years of your life into a a club is 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 a lot so yeah i'd say him on the on the coaching side um or on the, the the backroom side the guys that are leaving none of them kind of hugely surprising i would say probably every one of them is kind of fits more in the realm of of a of a squad player and if you actually look at the game time that most of those guys have have played it's not been significant maybe the most surprising would be um gabe hamer web i think he is a player that could be a really nice pickup for another premiership club. I think when he's had regular game time over the course of the two, three seasons that he's been involved in the senior squad, he's been, he's been very, very good, but with the stable of, and I say stable with Will Muir returning soon with the stable of, of wings that we, we have, I think it's just very difficult to expect that he gets regular game time. You know, he's played 300 minutes of rugby this season for Bath and, and only one try to go with that. So Um, yeah I think a a shame but probably probably the right move in in what's obviously a reduced salary cap era given the guys that we brought in yeah and with two
1: clubs no longer in the premiership and and doubt unfortunately about London Irish as as has been reported these guys currently without premiership clubs so so fingers crossed from their point of view that they do pick up with Premiership clubs. Um, and then just looking quickly at the the kind of ins, Tom, so Lee Blackett and Richard Blaze have both been announced as assistant coaches next season. Both, of course, with Wasps at one point. Blackett, I think, with more of an attack mind and... Um, Richard Blaze with forwards and lineouts in mind. This means that Luke Chartres has taken a step back into the academy coaching. Quinn Roo has extended, leaving us with just two people, I think, that we don't quite know um, where they're going to be next season, whether they'll be in blue, black and white or not. And that is Fergus Lee Warner and G.J. Van Belzer, as we discussed earlier in the podcast, Tom. And just to kind of put a bow on this whole thing before we bring... Andrew in to talk about boots on the ground on Saturday I think we've spoken about Van Grand's influence on on the game on Saturday but I think this is him now putting his stamp on the playing squad and the coaching staff and the backroom staff at Bath and I think when he came in I was definitely of the mind that he's going to take a season to have a look at everyone have a look at the players have a look at how it operates and then the summer of his between his first and second season, going into that key second season is when he's going to put his stamp on it. And I think this is him doing that. Um, And kind of everything that I've heard, everything that I've seen from Johan van Graan, the changes that he's made with playing, personnel and with coaching, I think on the whole has been really, really positive. And so with that in mind, I'm really, really positive about the majority of these changes and kind of trust that our new king is going to be kind of ruling that that castle and, and kind of... Yeah, leading that charge of, of improvement for Bath because ultimately next season top four is is going to be the aim and and that will be what he, these changes are kind of what he's going to be pinning his his mask to.
0: They're loft. That's a lofty aim, but um, that's going to be, be a- the
1: aim going into the season, isn't it? When
0: you come eight. yeah, yeah, uh, the league's incredibly the time, tight. Yeah, We're yeah. Only, a couple of wins, only a couple of wins out of far, away from fifth and sixth as it is. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think you, you, I, I agree, and you've said it all season that you think there'd be there'll be more of a wholesale clear out of, of coaching and players, and and that's what's happened. I think the other thing is that he's also taken the chance to be a little bit opportunistic, and I, I mean opportunistic in um, you know not in a, a cynical way at all, but given what's happened to mm. Wasps and Worcester. I think perhaps we've seen more changes than we otherwise would have done because the opportunities presented themselves from a players' perspective with with Worcester, obviously, and now from from a coaching perspective with 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 Wasps, with guys obviously um, you know, sadly no longer in 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 roles at, at those clubs. So I think that's probably led to slightly higher higher turnover. You know, a guy like Joe Maddock, the attack was starting to drill quite nicely. There was no reason to think that that he would go, but I think Van Grand's obviously looked at the quality of Lee Blackett and how he got the loss team going and has as, as kind of made a, made made a judgment call there. So yeah, let, we'll get into it next week and we'll we'll be able to speak to, 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 to one of the key guys in our squad as well about, about some of the changes and what he's heard on on the ground about about these guys. But yeah, I think we are overall, I would say we're we're shaping up really nicely for next season. I do wonder if with the number of players that we've seen go, we will see one or two more signings announced. Perhaps in the kind of second row position, that feels slightly light. Scrum half as well. We're now obviously left only with with Ben Spencer and, and Lewis Schroeder, which again feels quite light. But um yeah, we, we'll hopefully hear in the in, in the next week or so on on the final changes. Yeah, plenty more to discuss on that, Tom. But let's get
1: back in to that raucous day at the wreck and talk to our man on the ground, Andrew. I'm delighted now to be joined by a friend of the podcast, season ticket holder, and one of those lucky enough to be at the REC on Saturday. Andrew, thank you very much for coming back on the podcast and welcome.
2: Thanks, Chaps. Uh, nice to be back on the pod. It's been uh, great to hear, I guess, the progress that you guys have made this season. Some amazing guests and, and now you're back with me. So, uh, yeah, awesome to be back on. Thanks for the invite.
1: Yeah, I can tell your rustiness because this is what take three or four of this this little segment that we've been <laughs> rolling. So yeah, let's hope this one sticks. But now, lovely to have you back, and yeah, really keen to get a kind of boots on the ground perspective on what it was like on Saturday. Because I know me and Tom are really jealous that we weren't able to make it. So what was it like to be at the wreck for for that great victory?
2: Yeah, I mean it, it was an absolutely uh, epic environment and atmosphere to be in. Um, if you think about. <laughs> where we've been this season, how tough it's been. We've had this kind of book-ended season with some great performances, um, some not-so-great results at the start, that bit in the middle, which we just won't talk about. Uh, And then kind of coming off the back of a couple of weeks, some really strong momentum. Um, There's a really nice atmosphere at the REC, actually, nice to have something to play for after, I guess, what has been a challenging couple of weeks. Um, There was some really cool um, entertainment put on by the club. They obviously had the stadium for bath tents, uh, and also you had the black and white butchers um, that uh, were there. managed to grab myself a nice back and a couple of pints in tribute before the game. Uh, they also had a great offer of buy one, get one free beforehand. So uh, I think that set uh, the wreck up for being a bit more raucous than usual. But it, it was a yeah, pretty amazing experience and probably the best that I've uh, been at for, for the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, we managed there, Tom, to do pretty much 30, 40 minutes and not mention the fact that the club we're talking about might be moving into a brand spanking new stadium. So, Andrew, why don't you talk a little bit about about that and kind of trying to get into to to view those plans?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't really talk much about it because I couldn't get into the tent. It was... It was actually uh, probably the the busiest feature um, that was there kind of as the kind of uh, side match entertainment, obviously uh, apart from the band at the end of the game. Uh, We tried three times to go in before the match uh, and also twice afterwards and just couldn't get into the tent. We could only fit about 10 to 20 people in it, so it wasn't massive, but it was clearly uh, a super um, uh, popular um, kind of thing to go and have a little look at. And I think if you look at some of the things that the um, club have done to... I guess, get people excited about it and interested. it's been great to see that so many people are responding to it positively. What I have seen today, actually, I think because it was so busy on game day, i now got two events which you can go to uh, to go and see a little bit more about it. So if you did miss it like me, be sure to check out the club's email because there's two events uh, which you can go to over the course of the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and we're going to get into it in a little bit more detail next week in terms of what the public plans are and, and what we can expect in terms of next steps. So that will be to come in our kind of end of season wrap-up podcast. But let's get into the game, Andrew, the 61-29 victory over Saracens. And kind of first half didn't necessarily pan out the way we thought and expected given the team selections. Was there a few nerves amongst yourself, your your friends and family and and the people sat around you at that point? Or was it kind of low expectations that it would happen anyway? And so kind of almost it was a shot to nothing.
2: Um, It's it's an interesting question, right? I think whenever we all saw the starting lineups, I think there's five debuts for Saracens, a couple more to potentially come off the bench. Mm -hmm. Uh, You looked at our starting fifteen. In my opinion, I felt they were going to blow them away no matter what happened at the end of the first half. I even think Mark McCall was laughing at the scoreline by the time they came off. You know, I think Bath had a pretty strong performance. I think there's a few standouts for Sarri's. I'm probably going to butcher his name, but the, the chap in the wings at Sagan, uh, I think he really stood out, as did the centre. Uh, number 12 um, was, was really, really strong as well. Yeah, he had a, he had a great game. Um, but I think if you have a look at the strength of our bench and also how we were playing and how we have played as quite South African led right straight up the jumper and then try and drive it if you think about you know how that game is probably going to pan out and the physicality that we've been playing out in you know, a week in week out i kind of felt like we had nothing in the tank to do it towards the end um but yeah i'll be you know, open as well not massively upset we hadn't of uh you know got into the champions cup either you know and hadn't had such a resounding victory and um, so i was just hoping that we'd, we'd have a win and and finish the season on the home. But the boys absolutely delivered that. Um, And yeah, I think uh, all credit to them, really. What was the kind of last 15, 20 minutes
1: like? Obviously, myself and Tom were able to watch... Both screens and kind of follow along pretty closely and we had the VT commentary and, and a live table to go with which meant we kind of were right across it but given some kind of occasional connection difficulties and, and the lack of commentary in the stadium how aware were you of, of how many points we needed and what was going on in the other game and how that was all playing out?
2: Um, not very, being really open with you. Uh, I was having to rely on uh, the old boy next to me. I think he's the only person in the world that has an iPhone older than he is. Uh, and also my my phone network, um, which uh, was not allowing me to catch up there. My wife on the other side, who was just there as more of a kind of passing fan. So uh, I had absolutely no idea, really, as we are going through the game. We just knew it was close. Um, I didn't talk to the people um, in front of me and, and behind me, all there with their calculators out. But... And as I was trying to work out, I would better try and watch the game because it seemed like every time that any team was going into the opposition half, you know, we, they were scoring a try. Um, so I think the, the moment we all kind of realised was the Ollie, Ollie Lawrence try just towards the end. Um, and look, I think absolutely what a fitting thing for him to have that, you know, that final contribution, given everything he's given the club since he's he's joined. Um, at that moment, everyone, you know, I think you can see it in the crowd, of people jumping up and down, uh, absolutely ecstatic. Um and you know, although we knew it was kind of close in the Gloucester game, I think that you know really kind of put things uh, out of reach. Um, obviously, the penalty try right at the end of the game made it um, absolutely certain. But it felt like, yeah, at, at that moment, that that was a that's when we got to it. But only watching it back afterwards, did we realise how you know topsy turvy in and out of uh, the Champions Cup we were. But yeah, it added a nice little bit of
0: uh, additional spice and conversation following following the game. Well, I was going to say, there's been some some noisy moments of the rack this this season in between some 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 quiet silences how does that compare because it sounded like i mean how does that compare for example to the the will try in the corner or the win against exeter a few weeks ago it sounded absolutely raucous there when ollie lawrence went under the post he's there celebrating with 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 the fans in the in the in the thatchers terrace there was that as kind of loud as you've heard the wrecking a long time Oh, absolutely. I think
2: for the last couple of years, the only moment that comes close was um when I think we secured Champions Cup on the final game or final home game of the season a couple of seasons ago with Joe Clock and a single try. That was the last time that I remember it being that that kind of raucous, you know, final game of the home season, securing the Champions Cup again. You know, obviously doing it um uh, this time around uh, was yeah it was was pretty epic. But yeah, it, it, this season has been it's been really tough for a lot of those fans. I think it's really nice that you know, I think some Van Grand spoke about the commitment of the team. You could see that, you know, both from um, the guys that started and the guys that came on. They were fully bought in to try and, you know, give the fans something back after what has been a tough season. I think it was nice to see you know, that connection between the fan and the team's really building. You know, um, I think it started uh, this season. As I mentioned earlier, we had that tough that tough middle part, but the way the season has ended, the way the guys have performed, you know, I think it's been been incredible. Uh, and it's nice with the crowd and, and, and the team, you know, being able to enjoy that moment with each other. Um, I, I think for me, actually, the, some of the things that have really turned our uh, kind of engagement and perception around with the team has been the return of Ben Obano, who was absolutely brilliant again. Uh, everyone that was sitting around me was was calling him out for um, just you know how how strong he's been. I think he's got the Paul Roger player that the match the last two home games, uh, and he's an absolutely unstoppable force at the moment alongside Stuart and Dunn. Uh, and, you know, it's nice to see those guys who are, you know, either club men or, or very, very invested in the team just signing new contracts um having such a big impact. And it was clearly a, a big part of our day. And I guess it's nice to see, um nice to see everyone, you know, happy again at the rec after what has been, yeah, you know, a, a long, long time since you saw that many star- uh, smiles on, on faces. And I think also the first time I've ever heard bath fans shout out in Gloucester at the end of the game. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you could hear that on the TV, but there was about... 12,000 odd people uh on in their best uh, West Country accent uh, for a couple of minutes, which was, uh, yeah, it was good fun.
1: Yeah, a strange day all round. I think Johan's spoken, is not he, quite a few times about how he wants to build that connection with the players and the fans and how he, he wants the rep to become that fortress that, that he had at Toman Park and, and with Munster. And I think you're right, the... They're definitely kind of fighting to to turn this around, and and that's kind of shown in in Abano and and also for me in in, in Tom Dunn, who who ding, I have to say that. So um, no, he he he's an outstanding player and and leads from from the front. And another thing you spoken about is, is kind of the train journey that we've been on, and and players getting off that at certain stops, and that was none more evident at the end of Saturday with. Atwood and the Carpentier retiring and then eight other players it was confirmed earlier that week leaving what were the scenes like at the end of the game Andrew with with kind of those guys and, and then Hooper and Maddox as well um what what was that like and imagine it was kind of kind of a a jubilant and uh, but also nostalgic sense to to those goodbyes
2: yeah absolutely I mean well I think, first of all, everyone was obviously really happy. It's quite a sweet ending for us being able to stick it to Bristol after a couple of opening day defeats and some challenges um, uh, against those guys the last couple of seasons. Uh, and I think that you know just put everyone in, in a good mood. Um, you know, on, on top of everything else that, that we saw, and I think that really passed on to some you know pretty strong attendance for the end of season goodbyes. I've been through a few of those in my time, and it's probably one of the best. Attended goodbyes, and it was really nice to see him. Um, you know Stuart Hooper in particular. I think he really deserved that after the years of service he's put into the club. I know mm-hmm. recency bias would suggest that you know it's probably been quite a challenging time for him. It's maybe something that he might find tough to do. But it was really nice to the fans staying out and giving him a really good send off. You could see the emotion on his face, um, and as I mentioned, he absolutely deserves, I think, all of the plaudits from from everyone. It's was, it was really nice to see. And similar for Dave Atwood, it's actually the, the second time I've said goodbye to Dave. I had a chat with him the last time. Um, he was in a knee brace um, after after a game and was hobbling around post-match after being injured in the game uh, with, with his kids. Um, was able to chat to him this time. Again, I think equally as emotional, um, massive club store, and someone I think he deserves all of our respects. He's um, put some titanic shifts for us over the years. And if you think about a player like him, and what we're going to need next year, with you know Champions Cup coming, someone that can perform there and be there week in, week out, and be on that cusp of that England team, and, and be available all the time, and put in a good six, seven, eight out of ten every week, is is something that we need. And look, you absolutely be missed, but you know it's nice to nice to be there and, and share that moment with them. I'm definitely going to miss him. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really good chap. And I think look, some of the other guys were all there as well. So, you had know, Gabe Hina, where Tom Doherty, um, uh, Max Green, obviously got on the pitch as well. Uh, it's nice for those guys to have you know um, a, a bit of a send off as well, um, you know, especially as they've contributed to a greater or a lesser extent throughout throughout the season.
0: Well, I was going to yeah. say an amazing send off for Dave Atwood as well, coming back onto the bench. Oh. I think he played 17, 19 minutes, and to end your rugby career, what I think eighteen-year-long rugby career, having played most of that at Bath, but having played uh, you know across 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 three cl- well four clubs. Including his time over in France and getting his caps for England, to end it like that with the the try, sending your you know, wait the club you played most of your appearances at into the into the Champions Cup, and then having your family thereafter, um, some really nice pictures of him with his family on the pitch after. So, um, and then a, a lap of honour and, and soaking up the applause, and lots of people as ever at the rec stayed over stayed stayed on after the game to to clap the players around So. That was a really, that was a really nice moment. I thought for 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 him to him to end and end his career.
1: Yeah, nice moment to end here, Tom. Thank you very much, Andrew, for for joining us and making me and Tom feel really jealous about missing out on that one on Saturday. But can't wait to get back to the wreck next season. For all that is to come, Tom. Thank you for joining me, listeners. Thank you for listening. As I say, we'll be back for one more episode next week. We may or may not have a special guest lined up. He can definitely remember the name of the hog roast stall behind the the Thatcher stand, so that will be an improvement anyway. But yeah, look forward to that. Hit subscribe, and that will be delivered to your feeds whenever it is ready. And now and throughout the summer, stick behind the boys, proof it and thin.